This is Jets at Noon with Cameron Poitras and Jim Toth on 680-CJOB. Thanks for being here today. It's uh, a huge honor to be named uh, the third captain and since the return of the Winnipeg Jets. and It's an honor I'm really looking forward to. Um, a lot of really great leaders in our locker room and there was a lot of very deserving candidates. That was Adam Lowry all the way back on September 12th when he was named the third captain following Andrew Ladd and Blake Wheeler for the Winnipeg Jets 2.0. Welcome to the show. We have a great show lined up for you. Jesse Pierce, a wild reporter with NHL.com, friend of the program, as well as the co-host of the Bar Down Beauties podcast. It's going to be joining us at 1230 to tee up uh, this New Year's weekend slate of games, both against the Minnesota Wild, starting Saturday at Canada Life Center, pregame at 11 a.m. in the morning, followed by the puck drop at 1. Uh, John Tortorello's got another money quote that, of course, we have to. I'm a huge Torts fan. I love Torts, and put I put him on in any chance and any opportunity. Uh, he had another great quote uh, that the Philadelphia Flyers uh, cut the, ba- the 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 back half of it, uh, but I got the transcript. I, I dug out the transcript, so we're going to get to that um, following the sports minute coming up. Of course, Canada and Switzerland uh, and Sweden are getting set to go. Uh, at two at twelve thirty here uh, for first place in Group A in the World Juniors, Canada and Czechia right now, uh, or should I say the Americans in Czechia right now locked at three three. Rucker McGrady, um kept off the scoreboard here. Of course, he's recovering from uh, injury that he suffered while playing for the University of Michigan Wolverines. Kept off the score sheet uh, for this game. But to kick things off, we are going to talk because it's twenty twenty three. We are obligated. Here on 680 CJOB and on Jets at Noon. Jim Toth not here today. He's going to be back on Tuesday following New Year's Day. We're obligated to to look back on the year. The year that was 2023 and share the five biggest Winnipeg Jets stories. There were several of them. Uh, I'll give you a little hint. I I included that Adam Lowry clip there to kick things off because I, I didn't have it in my top five. I didn't have it in my top five. Tyce Rewicki's here to join me. We'll bring him on in just two seconds. We're going to go through uh, 680 CGB uh, producer Tyson Rewicki. He's going to be joining me in just a second here. But the Winnipeg Jets did practice at 11 this morning. Uh, David Gustafson, still dealing with that lower body injury, was not practicing today. Bones did say on Wednesday in the postgame, uh, following the Winnipeg Jets losing 2-1 to the uh, Chicago Blackhawks. He says that they're hopeful he's going to be playing on Saturday here in town. So just a quick note here. David Gustafson was not practicing. Ville Hainala and Rasmus Kapari were taking part, uh, but were still in non-contact jerseys. All the lineups are saying power play, uh, no changes to the units, no changes to any of the lines. And, of course, stay tuned here to 680 CGOB. Uh, for the latest Tyson Rewicki. Thanks for jumping on the show. Oh, pleasure. I love, I love hopping on here. Yeah, absolutely. So I asked you for the top. Well, I asked you first to do your top 10, but we don't have enough time for that. <laughs> we don't have enough time for the top 10. Uh, so I asked you for your top five. Okay. So let's, let's start from the top. Let's go start at five and let's work our way down. Okay. Okay. You go first. What is your number five Winnipeg jet story uh, in 2023? Well, I like, I mean, obviously we have the four ahead of us that are kind of the main focus. And I think a lot of people will agree with those top four, but for yeah. my fifth one, I'm rolling with the prospect pool. 
Like the Jets have one of the most underrated prospect pools in all of hockey. And just the way they've built this thing up, we're seeing some of the success that Chibrikov's having, that Lambert's having down mm-hmm. with the Moose. And you just really start to get excited about this team in the future, just with all these pieces that they're adding. And then also Rucker, Rucker McGordy, who's playing in the World Juniors this year. Colby Barlow, another guy who's just, he's got a nose for the net. And a guy who I, I could easily see potting 30 yeah. goals a year. He's just so smart. All that but, without tanking. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. even hitting on some of those later picks, like like I mentioned, Chibrikov was a second round pick. Uh, one of the one of my favorite prospects that the Jets have currently in the KHL, Dmitry Rashevsky. Is he going to eventually make his way? You think here to, uh, to Canada? I, I, I think he will. He's a, he's yeah. an absolute buzzsaw on the mm-hmm. ice. Like he is a guy who's just full nose twenty four seven during the game. And then also Elias Salmonson. Like he's he's been a very good, very steady prospect for he's the gonna Jets. Be, he's going to be playing. He served his one-game suspension against the Germans. He's going to be playing today against Canada at 12.30, playing for the Swedes. So. Yeah, and he just adds that right hand. At, like He's a guy I could see potentially replacing a guy like Neil Pionk in the future. Just, you yeah. know, sometimes contracts move on. Not saying that they're, Pionk's on the move anytime soon. Just that a guy who at some point is going to have to fill in in that role. Yeah, well, the Jets, they need a right-handed shot defense. Yeah. They're, they're, they're like... They're almost in a desperate. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't say it's desperate. The team's been doing very, very well early. Uh, but listen, if if there was when, when you look at what the Winnipeg Jets could add as you go towards, you know, the you know as this team advances and there's the playoffs, uh, you know, on the horizon, they're starting to peak over just a little bit, still a ways away. Um, first, you got to go through the trade deadline. That's definitely going to be one of the things people talk about is bringing in that fabled uh, right shot defenseman for the Winnipeg Jets, and also some more. I would I would say some more. Um, maybe some more depth at center. I think that would be another thing. Hundred percent. Uh, my number five is Kyle Connor going, getting injured, the knee on knee against Anaheim, and Gabe Velarde returning uh, against the LA Kings and totally uh, dominating and not replacing Kyle Connor, but certainly filling in his shoes at that top line. I think that's been such a great story. And I think Gabe Velarde has gone over so well with the fans. I put it at number five. Yeah, I agree. It's just, I yeah. mean, what that line's been doing has been tremendous. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Number four. What's your number four? My number four, unfortunately, and it seems like so long ago already, even though it was only like eight months ago, but the collapse of the Jets last season. Okay. That yes. one, I mean, we, we're, I, I want to keep good vibes mostly as we get yeah. into 2024, but right now, the way that this team is built, that collapse last year is what started this rebirth of the Winnipeg Jets. And it's just, I mean, I don't want to spoil my top picks, but there was a couple pieces on that team that directly contributed to the team not reaching the, the goal that they wanted to, and not even winning, only winning one playoff game last year. But just... Yeah, and, you know, falling apart in game five, and we'll talk about that. I have that on my list. That's yeah, but, definitely coming up here. But that, to me, that just sets up the way that where the team is at now. And, you know, before you before you get to your, your come up, you got to take a step back, and that's what the Jets did last yeah, year. Yeah, the Jets fall in 2022-2023. I actually crunched the numbers on this. Uh, first in the Central Division on January 16th, 2023. Uh, the team was 29-14-1. They held the same amount of points uh, as the Dallas um, as the Dallas Stars at that time. Uh, held the tiebreaker, however, so they were first in the Central Division at a game in hand on Dallas. Following January 16th, and we'll hear from Rick Bonus on this in just, in just a little bit. Uh, 17, 19, and 2. And over that span, fall from first in the Central all the way down to the second wildcard spot. And if it wasn't for an even worse collapse by the Calgary Flames, 
they perhaps wouldn't even have made the playoffs and fall into that second wild card spot. Uh, only two points up on the Flames. Yeah, and maybe in the long run, might have been for the best if they missed the playoffs there. But that's that's neither here nor there. Absolutely. Uh, my number four uh, is the Blake Wheeler buyout. Hey, Winnipeg. I just wanted to take a moment and first of all, thank everyone for all the love and support over these past 12 years. It has been my absolute honor and privilege to be a Winnipeg Jet, to represent this city and represent this organization. My family and I can't thank you guys enough for everything you've done for us, all the support, all the love, all the friendship. Winnipeg is always going to be a home to us. So on behalf of myself, my wife, Sam, our children, Louie, Lenny, and Mace, we thank you so much for 12 of the best years of our lives, and we look forward to rooting on the Jets in the future. Thanks, everyone. Uh, Blake Wheeler's uh, buyout comes on June 30th. He signs in the, with the New York Rangers uh, the next day, um, leaves the Jets in with the leader in games played in the organization, 897 assists, 550, and points with 800 uh, and 10. So, and he's, he's been playing a little bit better with the Rangers. I mean, he's got 14 points, so he's he's been starting to chip a couple in after a real, real rough start. Uh, number three, number three on your list. I'm rolling with the new captain, Adam Lowry. At okay, three. I didn't even, ha- I had it. That's why I had a number six. Had a number six. <laughs> but yeah, like, it's just, that move has kind of signaled a new, a new culture change for the Jets, a new yeah. era of Jets hockey. Like, we're so used to the, when, when it came in, we had the Wheelers, the Andrew Lads, and mm-hmm. I mean, Shifley's still a part of that, but he's kind of ushered into this new era that's coming. But it just, it gives them a different identity, I feel like. Now that Adam Lowry at the beginning of the season, the Lowry line in general, they were totally just putting opponents on their heels every single time they were on the ice. And that kind of carried over. I think that that kind of bled through the whole team in a way. And now you have this this style of hockey where they just grind you down, grind you down while still being able to to use some of those skilled players that they have to score those skilled goals. But it starts from the captain and he's just the team has just completely adopted his identity. My number three is the dueling deals. Uh, You're talking about uh, big moves, big culture moves, big uh, the the organization. Uh, betting on itself moving forward here. Connor Hellebuck and Shifley both inking uh, dueling seven-year, $8.5 million contracts per. Um, that was a big part. Nito Niederreiter decides he's going to stay. Uh, we're going to see what's going to happen in, in the future here. But um, that was a big moment. That was a big moment where the organization was like, we are not rebuilding. It was te- it was a communication to the players that we are still in this. Uh, we're not uh, we're not going to be going through a, a period of time here where we're going to be you know falling apart and we're just going to be you know trying to get high draft picks. We're going to keep trying to do this. And so I got that as number three. Okay, number two. What's your number two? My number two is also, or not also, but my number two is the dueling deals as dueling well. Dueling deals. Yeah, okay. and then you hit it on the head there. Like all that, it, it gives the the team this idea that, hey, we're not just a team that where you're going to come to and then move to a new team when your deal runs up. Like we mm-hmm. want to, we want to build something and having those guys decide to stay with the team long term. It's just, you're building. It's like I mentioned on, on my last point, you're building a culture. And this is the biggest part about building a culture is retaining those guys that you want to set that culture. And then you hear what Dylan DeMello and Brendan Dillon are saying, their deals are, are expiring and how yeah. they want to stick with the team. Like this is, they're really building something here. Okay. My number two, uh, this was an easy one. This is going to be short and sweet, so let's get at it. No questions? Good. 
Eric, just uh, overall thoughts on that one. Already. Overall thoughts? I'm so disappointed and disgusted right now. That's my thoughts. Where does the disgust come from? Pardon me? Where does the disgust come from? No pushback. But it's the same crap we saw in February. It was. That's why we... You so got to go with uh, the big moment, the big clip uh, of Rick Bonus following that Game 5 uh, effort uh, against the Vegas Golden Knights. That's my, my number two, the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, bow out of the playoffs, um, and uh, the coach certainly not happy. Yeah, that is an all-time quote. Yeah, like, that, is, that is yeah. an all-time presser. Like, he yeah. was just, no questions, great. And then, he, and then someone kind of, you can tell someone put their hand up, and he's like, ah, oh, It's the great. most famous <laughs> quote of this era of the Winnipeg Jets. I, I'd say the other one is. Stick together as a team and uh, go out there and work. As long as we stick together as a team, we'll be all right. Dustin Bufflin there. Big buff. Back on 2015. That's almost 10 years. Bring him gone. back. Bring back Buffalo. Yeah, he's coming back. Uh, what was your number two? We gotta we gotta kind of get through these last couple here real quick. Well, my, my number two was the 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 dueling deals. Oh, dueling deals. Great. Okay, we got to that. A number one. What was your number one? My number one is the subtractions of okay. P.L. Dubois and Blake Wheeler. Okay, so you, just, I, I I separated them. You put you kept them together. Yeah, and, and I just feel like that kind of set the tone for this season coming in. And this is a new team. You kind you not to. I mean, they stripped Wheeler of the captaincy, but. He was still the captain, even though yeah. he didn't have the letter on his jersey. He was still seen as the leader in the locker room. Mm. And I, this team, team just needed a new voice. Like this new culture needed to be set. And Adam Lowry was the guy that had to do it. And we look at how Dubois and Wheeler are doing. Like you mentioned, Wheeler's kind of picking it up a little bit. Same with Dubois. He's doing a little bit better over yeah. these past couple games. But you look at the trade for du- Dubois in particular. You get Gabe Velarde, Alex Ayafalo, Rasmus Kupari. Three guys who are contributing on on your roster, and then on top of that, you add Montreal's second round pick, a, a pick that you can use at the deadline to get an even better player. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's a home run for Chevy. Yeah, that was my number one, the Pierre Luc Dubois trade. I can't add anything to what you said there. Uh, the addition of uh, Gabe Velarde, Alex Ifala, Rasmus Kupari, and that twenty twenty four second rounder. Uh, yeah, no, it's it's ended up in the short term. Looking at it now has ended up being a great trade for the Winnipeg Jets and uh, their future here. Because Gabe Velarde, he's on another year at 3.44 mil, and then he's an RFA still at the end of that. So uh, we'll look ahead to that. Thanks a lot, Tyson. Tyson oh, Wiki, 680 awesome. CGOB uh, producer, joining the program. Jets at noon on 680 CJOB. Playing Winnipeg, obviously they're, they're playing really well this year. They've been a playoff team since, you know, day one of the season. Um, so I think it'll be a good test, home and home, back to back, basically. So it'll be a good test, I think, for us, and, and um, we're looking forward to it. I think it's it's a it's a it's a back to back going into where you're going to have to be at your best to win, and I think to to have that uh, that competitiveness in the series is good for us. And let's see how we let's how let's see how we we uh, approach the series. But I also think there's going to be you know different things in it that we're going to be able to really grow from. That was uh, head coach of the Minnesota Wild, John Hines, following a uh, a practice yesterday uh, in Minnesota. 204-780-6868. Of course, the Jets getting set for a home-at-home back-to-back. I'm Cam Poitras. Jim Toth not in today. He'll be back following New Year's on Tuesday. Uh, The Americans in Czechia right now, looks like they're getting set up uh, for a shootout, tied 3-3. Rutger McGroarty was out there. Uh, Winnipeg Jets prospect looked like he was going to be taking the first 
uh, shootout, but he's back on the bench, so I'm not sure what's going on there. Asking you what your biggest stories were from 2023 for the Winnipeg Jets. Robert says, my biggest moment was the handing of the stick to Lowry and then a pass to Appleton for the goal. It was a moment that was a sign of good things to come. That was an epic moment, Robert. That that moment ruled. Um, that was awesome. And this one from Mike. The start of the season, even with Velarde, Kyle Connor, uh, bonuses absence to start, and so many new forwards in a slow a Hellebuck start uh, has been the, the Winnipeg Jets start has been the biggest story from 2023. That's what Mike and Robert have to say. What do you have to say? 204-780-6868, 204-780-6868. Well, to help me tee up the weekend, New Year's weekend slate of games, Jesse Pierce, wild reporter with with uh, NHL.com, as well as a co-host of the Bar Down Beauties podcast joining me. Hello, Jesse. How are you? Hello, I'm good. Nice to finally talk to you. It feels like it's been a bit, but uh, good to get into some division rivalry games to end the new year. Yeah, Jesse, it's it's like, I, I don't know, I haven't checked in on the Minnesota Wild in so long. I mean, it's it's the end of December, they haven't played. Well, this is this they haven't played against the Avalanches. It feels like I've been missing out on our friends seven and a half hours south of us. I've been missing out on what's going on with Minnesota. We're here, we're thriving, trying to survive, you know, uh, but it's been good down here. How are things up in Winnipeg? Oh, they're fantastic. We've had a wonderful winter. It's only minus, uh, it's only minus two, or minus three right now. So um, about oh, close to 40, to 40 degrees Fahrenheit. So it's been, it's been, well, a little bit less than that. About, I would say about actually about uh, 28 or 29 or something like that, but it's been really nice. We've had a great, we've had some great. Nice. Yeah. Um, this is interesting because you, you you brought up the fact that we haven't we haven't uh, we haven't really talked in a while here. Where the, the Minnesota Wild really haven't been playing any teams from the Central Division. They've uh, they've only played five games. Uh, one against uh, Nashville. They played uh, the Avalanche once, Dallas once, uh, St. Louis once, Chicago once. Can we can we really know where the Minnesota, Minnesota Wild are right now? If they really haven't played too many games against their division. They are three and two, but they lost to the Avalanche in Dallas so far this year. Yeah, I mean, to Minnesota's benefit, they're probably playing their best hockey right now. So maybe it's better that they're facing these uh, division opponents coming up here in the new year. Because um, it's been an interesting season, to say the least, for the Minnesota Wild, from a head yeah. coaching change to different injuries and whatnot. But as I said, uh, Minnesota's definitely geared up. They're ready to get into the meat of their schedule and uh, hopefully take away some some point, big points coming up here as they start to get into the Western Conference. I, I want to talk about, yeah, I want to talk about John Hines in just a second, but what was what was lacking with, uh, under Dean Evison? You know, it's funny because nothing was necessarily lacking. It was just kind of the only chip that could fall, as Bill Guerin has said and many GMs in their tenure have said, you can't fire any players, you have to fire a coach. And unfortunately, Dean's messaging just wasn't quite getting through. You know, I've spoken to Dean since the firing and, he understood that, you know, it was nothing that he necessarily did wrong, um, but it was the players' lack of response to Dean. So sometimes you just need that new voice to come in, shake things up, and I think that really woke up the players too because, you know, immediately they all recognized, hey, this was our fault. Like, this was us not performing like we should be. So they certainly took accountability for that. But that was a big change. I kind of, uh, you know, compared it to when your mom and dad are always yelling at you, sometimes it takes a grandparent or a teacher to say the same exact thing for you to listen. And I think that's what it was because John Hines has come in and certainly righted a ship that was veering off course. So so that's basically what's changed. John Hines is just saying the exact same message. It's just, it's just kind of getting through at this point. 
Yeah, I mean, he's made little tweaks here and there for the beginning. He certainly sat back and watched because coming into a season, you don't want to completely reinvent the wheel. Um, but, you know, again, he's not afraid to make those changes, which maybe was the one criticism against Dean Evans. And Dean Evans didn't really mess with the Lions too much, whether things were good, bad, or indifferent, where John Hines is willing to try something new, even after maybe one bad shift or one bad game. So that's probably the biggest change. But otherwise, I think the players have just really responded well to John Hines and, and recognized within themselves that they were better than they were performing to start the year. Uh, won seven games in a row at home. The Jets will be there on Sunday on New Year's Eve. What's been what's been working so well at the XL Energy Center in St. Paul? I mean, I think in general the team has their confidence back. Matt Boldy got his confidence back. Yeah. Kirill Kaprizov is on a goal and absent to start the year, and, and that was not helpful when your superstars of your team can't perform and can't get the production that you're relying on. That was a big struggle. And then there were areas of, of slacking in the defense, and then there were also some struggles in the goaltending. So as a whole, uh, the entire team has really just stepped up their play, which then in turn at home gets your fans into it. Fans were booing the Minnesota Wild off the ice uh, more than once to start the year. Now fans are feeling good about their team. Um, and I think that obviously helps when you're playing at home to know that you're giving the fans the reward that they deserve as well. Yeah, you mentioned Matt Boldy in that in that in your last uh, in your last answer there. I want to talk about Matt Boldy. I also want to talk about Marco Rossi because those are two, and, and we'll get to Brock Faber in just a second here. But those are two forwards that a lot of um, that a lot of uh, Minnesota Wild fans are are really zeroing in on. Boldy sort of established himself as a National Hockey Leaguer, but Marco Rossi starting to become that regular NHLer, eh? It's been so much fun to watch. I mean, Marco Ross has labeled as a potential bust. He was a first-round draft pick, hadn't been producing a lot. He had nine games uh, up with the big boys last year, did well at the American Hockey League level. Um, but everybody was kind of questioning, is he going to be this elite center? Is he going to be able to do much? And Marco Rossi came in this year kind of with an FU attitude. That's what Bill Guerin said he needed out of Rossi. He needed to add kind of this very strong mindset. So Rossi's done just that, and it's been tremendous to watch him. Um, really excelled this season. He's played some big minutes. He's been given a lot of really big opportunities, whether it's on the top line. Currently, he's on the second line with Marcus Johansson and Ryan Hartman. But just everything Rossi has done has been great. Even in the early struggles that the Minnesota Wild had this year, night in and night out, you could depend on Marco Rossi. So it's been really fun to watch him come into his own again. He's got that swagger. He's got that confidence to move the puck. And then there's that tenacity and that physicalness that I think a lot of us didn't recognize he had in him, but he's certainly shown that. So it's just completed his all around game. Yeah. Uh, Brock Faber, another guy that's really been turning heads today uh, and, and throughout the rest of the season as well. I'm, I'm not even going to mention the Calder because we know that the rookie of the year has already been decided. <laughs> it's gone. There's no, there's not even, it's not a conversation. It's going to Connor yeah. Bedard. Uh, but I, I'm starting to think Brock Faber is going to be maybe that number two or maybe that number three guy, a potential nominee for sure. Yeah, I mean, he deserves to have that conversation. I think Brock Faber, when he came in after a disappointing ending to his Gopher collegiate career in the national championship loss, he came in and made an immediate impact, and he did great in the playoffs. And everybody recognized then here in Minnesota that, hey, this player is special. But this year he's taken that to a new level. There has been injuries to the defense on Jared Spurgeon and Jonas Brody, and so Brock Faber has stepped up and eaten those minutes. Everybody kind of pegged Faber as the guy to replace Matt Dumba in the top four. I don't think anybody pegged him to do 30-plus minutes a night at the age of 21 and play on the top power play unit. I mean, he's really, he plays everything. He's such a Swiss Army knife. He's able to do a lot. And he's added a very big offensive element to his game. He's always been a very stout defenseman, but he's added that offensive capability, too, and, and showing some rushes into the 
the zone entries, and it's been fantastic to watch. He is very deserved of um, any, you know, accolades or, or conversations that he may be in this year as a rookie season. Uh, Jared Spurgeon, you mentioned him. Is he going to be back in the lineup uh, on Saturday here? I know there's been some talk. John Hines was very noncommittal to <laughs> Jared Spurgeon returning. He was on the ice the past couple of days uh, for practice, including today. And today he did run the top power play unit, which usually was a good sign. But with Hines not committing to it, and with Jared Spurgeon not being able or available to media post practice, I'm starting to lean that maybe not. You might see Spurgeon return when they come back home to St. Paul here. Um, I don't know for sure. It'll be interesting to see what happens because I think they're trying to be very cautious cautious with Spurgeon. Um, you know, he missed the first 14 games of the season with a lower body injury, and I think they want to make sure he's 110% so they don't risk getting him injured because we certainly know how the Jets and Wild games can turn out uh, yeah. in the physicality department. So we'll see, um, but I'm leaning toward maybe not on Saturday, more or less on Sunday. Uh, Philip Gustafson, he's had an absolutely fantastic uh, five, six weeks here. Um, how big has he been in this sort of the reset for the Minnesota Wild? Yeah, I mean, he's another player that hit the reset button. Some of those goals that were allowed early on in the season were soft goal goals that he knows that he shouldn't be allowing. Um, but he's been absolutely huge. They signed him in the offseason to a three-year extension, giving him kind of that confidence heading into the year that, hey, you're our number one and Marc-Andre Fleury will be number two. Um, so I think Philip Gustafson just really had to grab that and, and recognize that and start playing like the number one goalie and not have kind of these ups and downs that he was having for the first month or two of the year. Uh, but he's been absolutely tremendous under John Hines as well. He will get the start in Winnipeg, and Marc-Andre Fleury will start against the Jets here at home on Sunday. That was going to be my next question. Jesse Pierce, a wild <laughs> reporter with NHL.com, a host of the Bar Down Beauties podcast. Make sure you check her out. Jesse, thanks so much. You take care, okay? Hey, always. You too. Happy New Year, too, as well. As well. You too. Yeah, let's uh, let's take a break. Let's come back. 204-780-6868. Uh, these are always brutal games between the Jets uh, and the Wild. And I, I, I expect these two back-to-back. This is going to be a real, real tough set of games and a big swing for sure in the Central Division. Uh, this texture says, please help. I'm driving. I'm dying to know who won the shootout between the U.S. and the Czech Republic. Well, I can tell you um, that in, I think it was the seventh round, the United States was able to pull out the win in the shootout over the Czech Republic. So the, the Americans... Uh, pulling out that win. And I'm asking you what your favorite moment has been so far in 2023. Well, it's probably going to be wrapped up unless some absolutely wild, no pun intended, happens over the next uh, a couple of days here. But what's your favorite? What's the biggest moment from 2023 for the Winnipeg Jets? Uh, Mike, another Mike Texas show. He says, when Rick Bonus called the Jets out after an early playoff exit was so refreshing. And he said what we the fans have been seeing on the ice this season looks and feels different. We have been to two games so far this year with another coming up in January. I've been to a couple of games, too, and it is absolute blast down at Canada Life Center. The fans are into it, to say the least. Let's take a break. Let's come back. After this, John Tortorella. Well, he's coaching in his 1500th game. Yeah, it's torch stuff. We'll get we'll get into it. Don't go anywhere. Jets at noon on 680 CJOB. You know, I'm very honored, you know, first and foremost. I'm very honored and, and uh, you know, can't thank the organization, you know, Mark Chipman, Chevy, um, Bones for for trusting in me as a, as a player. And, um, you know, obviously I was drafted here. You know, there's nothing I want more uh, in this world than to, to win a Stanley Cup for the Winnipeg Jets and, and to do it alongside Helly, 
um, you know, to, to get this whole process done. You know, just can't thank thank the fans, can't thank you know my family um, enough. I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm tremendously honored and just very excited to, to get the season going. Yeah, I would definitely like to thank the organization, Chevy, Chip, Coach, Rick, um, Wade Flaherty. I mean, so many guys to to thank. Mark, you're a big part of, I mean, the guy I am today. Um, you've definitely paved the way for me and a lot of players in this organization to to do what's right. And um, when you're sitting back and you're gathering all the information you possibly can and you look around the league, you don't get a team that is as dialed as we are. And I think that leads with you, Mark. So thank you for being the player you are and thanks to the organization for believing me. And um, I think that was the most important aspect when I, when I really looked at it is this organization believes in me the way I believe in myself. Oh, that was back on October 9th. Seems so long ago. Dueling deals. Hellebuck and Shifley both signed seven-year, eight-and-a-half million-dollar extensions uh, to stay in Winnipeg for the long term and remain Winnipeg Jets. 204-780-6868, asking you your favorite Winnipeg Jets moments of 2023. What do you think was the most important? What was the most impactful uh, Paulo agrees with Robert. Robert thought his uh, Robert's favorite uh, Winnipeg Jets moment was uh, the handing of the stick to Lowry, uh, and then the pass to Appleton for the goal. That was a a pretty awesome moment, that's for sure. Um, against Florida, uh, I have to agree with Robert. Says Paulo, stick handoff to Lowry. A close second is Morrissey taking a puck to the head and coming back out last year. This would have been surprising. Thanks. That one from Paulo. I always find it interesting what you guys think is the biggest moment. And it's stuff like that. That's the stuff that everybody remember that, you know, at least you guys, the people texting into the show remember. So that's, that's always uh, pretty cool. So John Tortorella uh, talked about coaching his 1500th NHL game. Uh, uh, and he was speaking uh, following a practice in Vancouver of course, he's the head coach of the Philadelphia Flyers. Long, long time in the game. Spent time, of course, with Columbus, the Rangers, Tampa Bay. Uh, he's been around a long time. And him finally getting to 1,500 games, well, how does that make him feel? I don't even think about that stuff. You know, I, I uh, if, you, if you're throwing that at me, the only thing, I'm thankful that people have entrusted me uh, to, to let me work with athletes. That That's the... Uh, you know, it's been my life, and uh, I appreciate people having a little faith in, and allowing me to work with them. That's all. I don't give a shit about the number. Uh, I, I just like coaching. I like being around the players, and I really appreciate and, and humbled by the opportunities I've been given. Well, if you go to PhiladelphiaFlyers.com and listen to the audio, that's where it cuts off. That's where the quote cuts off. It sounds like a really nice, great answer. Another just just like a little. Nice little answer from from John Tortorella. Well, that quote didn't end there. And I worked my magic. I was digging in. I, I sent about, I think, about 100 text messages earlier today. I was on the phone for an hour and a half trying to get access to the transcript. And I'll tell you, I got it right here. I got the transcript. The con- The quote kept going. I'll play the, the final three seconds of it again. And, and humbled by the opportunities I've been given. Well, he continued to say, I like being with the athletes. I like being in that locker room. Everything, about, uh, everything else about the game I can't stand. 
I like being there, teaching them and being on the bench with them. Can't stand being out here with you guys. I'd rather be there right now. So can we end this? Par for the course. Great, great job, Torts. Congratulations on uh, 1,500 uh, 1500 games. Uh, 204-780-6868. 204-780-6868. Uh, right now, Canada and Sweden uh, duking it out in World Junior action right now at the number 20 tournament in Gothenburg, uh, Switzerland. Right now, the game's still 0-0. 9-10 still to play in the first period. Canada leading on the shot clock, 5-3, to three, and they've had some great chances. Uh, the Canadians are buzzing out there, but of course, uh, whoever wins this game is going to be moving into the top spot in Group A. Sweden and Canada both right now at 2-0. and Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for uh, letting me be back on the airwaves and being with you guys uh, every weekday from noon until 10. It's been an absolutely fantastic uh, 2023. I want to thank Jeffrey Forche uh, for the absolute stud that he is producing the show. I want to thank Jesse Pierce. I also want to thank Tyson Wiki for being on the program today as well. Uh, Jim Toth will be back on the second. So will I. See you then. Bye. Chats at noon on 680 CJOB.